Remember, my friend, Josh Karam. And Aaron Thompson. That knowledge is stronger than memory, which can be found in the Dungeons and Gatherers podcast. Dungeons and Gatherers podcast, where two nerds are talking about Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering. But today, we have something a little spooky brewing up. Something we've been waiting to talk about for a long time. Monsters in D&D and you being able to play as those monsters. Yeah, originally we were going to try and save this for more around Halloween time. But then with the release of the Unearthed Arcana Gothic Lineages, we said, we just got to talk about this. We can't we resist. do it now. I, I can't tell you, Aaron, how many times, like, I or someone else is like, can I play, like, a vampire in this campaign? And I'm like, well, you could get spells like Inflict Wounds and maybe do a Death Cleric, but there was never an option for that. So the second I saw this, Aaron and I were both texting each other like, it's happening. We got to talk about the Dompiers, the Hexbloods, and the Reborns first. And maybe this will spin off into other monsters that we want to see. You play as within the D&D world? So let's uh, let's dive right in. First thing that I want to bring up before we get into the specifics of each one, I love how this incorporates Tasha's uh, cauldron because with the ability score increases, it's just one increases by two and the other one increases by one. So it's not like, oh, you just, I have to build one of these characters as a certain class to benefit truly from them. They get... Anything you want. You can make a vampire cleric or a hexblood sorcerer or a reborn fighter. You have endless possibility with where you want to put these in. Mm -hmm, Definitely. And I like, too, that they say that these origins can replace whatever your current race is. Yes. You know, so, like, you sort of get, like, a clean slate. Exactly. (laughs) No, I love that. It's it's just, like, it's... It's new races. It's so exciting. Ah, I'm so pumped. And they just could take so many different looking forms. But let's, why don't we start from the beginning of the sheet here with the uh, Dompier. Yes, the Dompier. I don't know. I don't quite understand. Maybe you can explain. Why is it called a Dompier? What's the, what's the etymology of this? I, I can tell you that. So first off, this has to start with the Soul Calibur story. I love Soul Calibur a lot, so there's a character... Well, first off, there's a character named Dampier, and then there's also Raphael, who becomes a vampire throughout it. Mm. But um, basically, they're a creature that is the union between a human and a vampire. Nice. And I, I did just look up the actual etymology of it, and it comes from the Albanian dom, meaning tooth, and peer, meaning drinker or drank. Oh. So quite literally, a tooth drinker. So like a vampire. A marrow finder. They just want your teeth. Uh, can you make a Dampier dentist character then? I mean, I wouldn't want to, but you could. You could. What can I say? So the first thing that I love about this is whenever a race or a class has little fun things that you could add to it, little roll tables between a D8 or whatever it mm-hmm. is to add to. And let's just start with the Dampier hungers. Because it's more than just your regular vampire yeah. table that's like, I drink blood. Like, sure, that's the first one. The one that I'm going to point out is a color from one's appearance yeah so like what you just eat the color green yeah it's like that hair is green i want that color give it mm-hmm. to me please <laughs> I, I just envision like a character like magically eating the color right and like draining it 
that would be cool. Or I think about, like, they eat dreams, you know, or cerebral spinal fluid. It is really cool, and the thing that I like that this will go into you as role-playing it is that it's something that your character needs constantly. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you can play a vampire and you're like, I'm I'm on the path of good and I won't take anything from anyone else. It's like, no, you chose to play a Dompier. You have to suck some kind of life energy or whatever it is from other characters that you encounter throughout right. the game. You have a hunger and it, it must be satisfied. If you want all the other cool things that come with being a Dompier, then like this is this is where you go. So any little way that you're able to create character races that already give you a little something like, oh, this is something you're going to have to remember throughout the uh, game is just really cool to have because mm-hmm. you got a vampiric bite for a reason. And um, and your your creature type is humanoid and undead, you know? But all of these are, they sort of go along the lines of like, you're something and something. It's neat because it's more than just like the oh you're you're a human. I'm waiting for the uh the like the clerics and paladins that play with this whenever they like try to find undead. It's like mm-hmm. yeah, I know. It's like hey, it's you. What's up? Oh nothing. Uh, just uh being undead over here. But I like that the vampiric bite is better than your classic horns or natural claws or something like that. It's not only a damage dealer. It's also a health gainer, or you gain a bonus to the next ability check or attack roll you make, mm-hmm. which I think is really cool. So this bite, I don't know, if you're a fighter, you slash with a sword, and then you bite them just to gain some advantage in your next attack or drain some life. It's pretty useful. Definitely, yeah. It's not the most powerful attack, but it, it has a lot of other bonuses that make it fun. Also, interesting that you add your constitution modifier to the attack and damage. Yes. So it's not your strength, it's not your dex, you know, it's not any of your spellcasting abilities. It's it's your con. Finally getting some love for con. I was about to say, con, people, when you're new to D&D, they ask, so what is con? I don't see it anywhere on the sheet. And I'm like, it's just your health. <laughs> and, you know, if you're trying like to run really bit. far, that's basically it. Right. Yeah, just your endurance. There's no skills that go with constitution. None yeah. of that. And it also gives your character the opportunity to, um, you know how, like, a fighter gets a second win. There's something that gives them health if they're mm-hmm. not around another healer. This, if you pick this class, you just get some health if you need it. You have some way of gaining a little bit of life if you need it. Right. And I like the idea that... Um, if you're missing half or more of your hit points, you have advantage on the attack roll. Yes. So it's like you get desperate, you know? You sort of let your wild side out as you as you go for it. Very, very cool thing to play. And let's just let's give a round of applause because 35 feet of movement. Yeah, what's up? You're fast. Cool. You're pretty and it makes sense, too, because when you envision vampires, they move through the night. It's almost like they clip through in existence. Like, they just appear in the next space over. This is a little selfish of me, but um, not selfish. It's a little bit, um, I guess, cringe. I just think about the Twilight vampires <laughs> that are, like, really fast. I was about to say, when I brought that up, I could only imagine that. And that that's fair, mm-hmm. because that's, that's the representation, too, right? Right. And similarly, like, even though Edward's, like, a good vampire, quote-unquote, I promise we won't we won't stay in Twilight for too long. Like he still needs to drink blood, right? Yes. He happens to find that source somewhere else, but it's not like because he's decided to be a good vampire that he doesn't have these hungers anymore. Yeah, these are these are sometimes thrust upon you. You don't have mm-hmm. the choice playing the character. And 
I think this segues perfectly into this race really intrigued me, the Hexblood. Oh, I think it's so cool. This is something that you could have just been a child that wasn't even born yet. You're just stuck with these abilities, and you're like, oh, this mm-hmm. this sucks. I'm going to become a hag. <laughs> I'm going to hag out one day. It's so cool. It's very, very like grim fairy tale sort of thing, like the cursed child. Very Feywild inspired. I am waiting for a fairy tale campaign to actually use this race. Because I think it works perfectly. So wait, do you become a hag? Like, at some point in your life? Do you have to? Is that the way it's meant to go? This is the thing that I was freaking out, and in my notes it's all in bold. So, you're, you get these gifts from a hag, and you become what's called an Elder Crosser, which is turn. Eventually, there's right. a ritual that can be performed where you and the hag are in a griot, and it turns you into a hag. Wow. And once that happens, the player is no longer in control of the character, and it says here, unless the DM rules otherwise, but I think that's mm-hmm. very interesting. Yeah, definitely. There's a couple things. In the original, like, monster manual for vampires, they say if you become a vampire, you come under the DM's control. That's so much fun, too, because whenever you're DMing, you're like, oh, well, the player only worries about dying, right? That's how they exit this campaign. If they, if they mm-hmm. die, they have to roll a new character, but it should be more than just death is the end of a character. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I'm just thinking about like the situations in which a player character would choose to undergo the ritual. I guess they just don't want to play their character anymore, right? I'm trying to figure out what story element it would take to be like, yeah, I'm going to say goodbye to this character and become a hag. Like, that's good for me. Yeah, I think the way that I was looking at it is it seems as though like this hag hangs in your subconscious Mm-hmm. no matter how many years you live. And almost it's like the inevitable fate that one has to succumb to, that you have to transform into this creature. Gotcha, gotcha. Sort of like marked from birth to then replace the hag that made you. And it, it I think it says here, uh, circumstances most Hexblades shun doing this ritual, but might come to accept over a course of centuries. Oh, yeah, makes sense. Because, you know, it's it's the, um, a lot of lore of elves is that elves become depressed because of all the time they live right. on the planet. Right, they just stay alive so, for forever. Yeah, years, years weigh on people. In a lot of, like, D&D campaigns, do we talk about how, or, like, do, do elvish characters or druids, right, how do they grapple with the fact that they live for, like, forever? Yeah. Right? Like, high-level druids can live to be 7,000 years old. No, I agree with you. And I think it's, there's people that'll, like, enter a campaign and, like, I want to be an elf that's 500 years old because the number 500 is big and it sounds cool to be mm-hmm. around for that long. But you're right. There's There's got to be something that weighs into that. It's like, you've lived oh, for definitely. 500 years. What have you seen change? What have you lost within that period of time? What a, what a perfect layup, Josh, for you to allow me to talk about one of my characters. Continue. Because <laughs> I play a wood elf, right? Me? What? Yeah, because Ariadne's 205 years old. And in that time, she's had, like, major career changes, which sounds really soft. But, like, you know, she was, like, a terrible dread pirate for a lot of that time. And then she was not. And, you know, I think one of my favorite things about playing her is that, like, she's tired. She's just, like, exhausted. Yeah. yeah for the viewers at home, think, think like, May from Avatar The Last Airbender. Yeah. But she's, like, a wood elf. Like, that's that's my character inspiration. Just, just so tired. Has done and seen so many things and had so much 
happened to her that like oh man and there's what 500 more years of this shit it's tough and that's right because the the inevitable release of that is death so for these hex bloods the inevitable release from the cycle is i need to become this thing that curse just becoming a hag right i also think too like you you're not really pretty when you're a hex blood you bear the the resemblance and the likeness of whatever hag made you yeah right so they talk about having like ratty hair or all of those sorts of things. And so I think at, at some point you get treated like a monster for so long that you just decide to become one. Oh, how sad. What a, what a sad race. What but... a sad, what a sad little life. But I can imagine a really cool like gothic campaign, right? That has, you know, the, all of these elements in it. And it's so, I think it would be so compelling to play. I think that's why we also got this Unearthed Arcana segment, right? Is people that I want to play a little bit more on the fringe of like, so... I was talking to someone about like, you know, like, why would you want to play a werewolf? You know, because that's Mm. ultimately the one my one sadness about this is that there's no real like werewolf option represented here. The closest you get is the Dampier, right? Which even then is still like a vampire. And I know they talk about shifters in like other books like Eberron. It's like, why would you want to play something that is so monstrous? It's sort of to get to walk the line between like your usual hero and like the antithesis of what those heroes stand for right to get to be like i try and be good in spite of my nature but sometimes i lose control i think is a really interesting sort of blend and like do you save people that wouldn't want to save you if they knew who you really were yeah it's these on earth arcana pages that we're looking at are really the role-playing mechanic or at least some a little bit of tidbits for people that want to get even more in depth with it so it's not just someone who's like i want to turn into a werewolf and it's like well there's a lot that you have to think about when you turn into that werewolf Mm -hmm. like you're dealing with a lot of different things going on there yeah there's a lot happening there i actually in in preparation for today I looked through a couple like homebrew website things about like I want to play a werewolf in D and D. Some of them are a little better than others. I uh, will shall name no names, but Fair. they all bring up good points that like, according to the monster manual, werewolves are immune to all non-magical damage from non-silvered weapons. Right, mm. so their only weaknesses are magic weapons and silvered weapons. Yeah, and they say like if you build a character like supposedly at level one, they're still a werewolf, right? And so you have to contend with that. How do you balance that at the table? Because, like, I imagine there are people that say, like, I just want to be a werewolf, right? And not really deal with, like, the the moral implications of it or, like, the, you know, the greater story aspects. They just think it would be cool to be one. The common mechanic that I always see with the werewolves is that when they transform, you're not always going to attack the enemy. And then that brings in the conversation of you have to talk with the rest of the people you're playing with saying, hey... I'm going to play a character that's going to be pretty strong at the beginning, but can also kill you guys, possibly. But, but might kill you. And there's a couple, like, there's a couple subclasses I was looking into that can give you some of that flavor, right? Like, the Tasha's Primal Barbarian is a great oh, example. Yeah. It gives you some natural weapons, lets you get a little bit bestial, right? It talks about, like, hunting in a pack, so you're, I think your top ability for your subclass lets you like you get temporary hit points for all of the people that agree to like take on the the hunt with you and then on each of their turns they can like do extra damage or something so you have some of those cool things if we're looking at you know non-official material that's pretty official and that it's on D beyond if you want to talk about like the lycanthrope blood hunter oh yeah that's probably about as close as you can get 
And even then, that's still something that you deal with at level three, right? That's your level three subclass. DM's job to basically incorporate, like, now you're bit. Why did? Why mm-hmm. is this happening to you right now? Yeah, definitely. But that's, a, I think, honestly, the lycanthrope uh, bloodhunter is about as close as you get. Yeah. Because, like, it's something that, like, your abilities can grow as you grow. It gives you a hybrid form that is resistant to, to non-magical damage. So, like, that makes sense. True. And then it has a cool thing. If you're below half your health, um, you have to make a wisdom saving throw, or otherwise you just, like, attack at random. So it's neat to, like, put people in those situations where you still, it still is pretty, it pretty much honors most of what I think a character would want to get out of a werewolf. I could also imagine, um, like, reshaping a druid's wild shape. Yeah, I guess it's then, like, figuring out the power equivalent for what a werewolf Mm -hmm. would be for that druid. Like, what is the appropriate CR, how does it grow, and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, you have, like, you have, like, a wolf, you have a dire wolf, you can easily, like, reflavor those and reskin them to just, like, those stats, but say, like, you become a werewolf, you know? And then as you get stronger... I was going to say, it's the argument between are you going to become a Lupin or are you going to become a serious Black with the way that you transform? Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. That's the line you're riding. A lot of people are trying to go for the Lupin because it's, it's just edgier also. Yes. And I think the thing mechanically that it brings up is memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, you, when you're a werewolf, you're not going to remember a lot of things. And I think that's why this race in particular brings that very cool mechanic of faded memories so i want to talk about the reborn oh what a what a pivot thank you thank you so i've been very excited about a race for this because when the revived ranger came out on unearth arcana i was like aaron you could play as a character that doesn't remember their last assassinating kills they've done and they're just living in this state of like i don't know who i am but i know i'm supposed to kill Mm -hmm. i want to play this character so now there's a race so you don't have to be a rogue with it this is the revived rogue is a race now yeah, definitely. You you have all these options for like recalling memories and it it's just there's so much flavor with like you just remember like a smell or you remember something that makes you cry and like was it happy or was it sad? Yeah. I think it's it's such an interesting it's sort of easy from a backstory standpoint maybe. Um this is like the first time that I've ever seen a table that is a DM and player's tools to uncovering backstory. Like, I've never seen Mm -hmm. a race or an origin give you a table that you can roll from to be like, let's figure this about your story or figure out this about your story. Like, this is in-game, you're like, I want to remember something, let's roll, let's figure out what the memory is. I also think these are a lot of questions that a lot of characters that that don't have memory loss, like, should answer for themselves right yeah because it's like very specific sensory things like a childhood memory you know or that's like it could be like anything insignificant or like the smell of soup you know Mm. like memories that carry vivid smells or sensations you think about like oh this one time my father took me to the shore you know like these are all real memories that you could roll for on this table that i think a lot of other player characters can get a lot of depth for their own characters by thinking about them and it's just another very interesting look and appearance you have to deal with as well similar to the hexblade and the dompier you are someone who was one person before but now you could be mm-hmm. stitched of many different people you could just have gashes all over your body you're a lifeless person roaming around you look like a monster but you're delving deeper into what was it that made you human no lo- not a construct or undead what was what was the beginning of your life right yeah, this is the whole Frankenstein's monster. It's really cool. I love it. Especially, too, if you are the... I would never do this because, I, you know, I don't like gory stuff that much. 
But if you play the person that's made up of other people's body parts, someone's probably looking for those body parts, right? Solid point. So you can be like, it's sort of like the reverse of whenever you find an like your organ donor. You're like, oh, I have your kidney. Thank you. But it's like, you know, like, oh, you have my kidney. Give it back. <laughs> so to be fair, that's where um, if you run a Ravnica campaign, that's where you could throw in the obsessive stitcher as like a creator mm. character there. Uh, you're a Demir creation as a, a reborn rogue or something. I see you. I see you there. So just, hey, you know, maybe toss something like mm-hmm. that into your campaign. Just toss that around. <laughs> I don't know. Just thought I'd throw it out. So I think something uh, just mechanically that's going to be a big point about this or like people are going to be like, I love this because everyone wants to play an elf because you sleep for four hours, right? Mm-hmm. You trance for four hours. So... With yes. uh, with the reborn, we got Deathless Nature, which is very similar to the uh, Sentinel's Rest on a Warforge, where it's basically yeah. you have advantage against poison, you're resistant to poison, you have advantage on death saves, you don't need to eat, drink, or breathe, you sleep for four hours, and your sleep is basically you just lifeless staring into the abyss. <laughs> which we love. Um, what I Yeah, this also brings out, I just like how they've taken some other racial traits that we've seen before. And they're saying it's like, it's not just elves that have advantage on saving throws against being charmed, right? It's like, it's also people with this fey origin with the hex blood. Yes. You know, it's like, we get to, like, piece them all together. And, like, you know, it just adds to the list of races that have dark vision. So, surprise. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, the idea that, like, that these traits that some people have viewed as being so specific to, like, oh, one kind of creature or humanoid has this ability now we're finding it's like it's actually a little bit more it's more mixed and more more widely spread than we thought tasha has literally stirred the pot to allow us to have creatures that are resembling of elves but they don't follow mm-hmm. your classic elf traditions you know what i mean you were an elf that was cursed so you got that face stuff but or even mm-hmm. you were a human that's cursed and you get the advantages of elf so it's not like you just take elf to trance now yeah i really like that uh they take the note in the beginning to talk about that they're doubling down on the stuff they laid out in tasha's yeah i think it's nice um I, and i've read a lot of critiques about it on the internet you know that like there's still a long way to go and i believe that too but i think it's important that we're taking these steps and especially with a game that has so much history it's like it's hard to unless you make out a, a whole new edition of D&D, right? Mm. Which is possible. Like, you know, you got to start somewhere, and this seems like a good step forward. And especially they say going forward, the term race refers to only the suite of game features used by player characters. So they take everything else as, like, that's that's your, like, your cultural background. Like, that's why that's why elves get the long sword and longbow proficiencies, because, like, that's a cultural thing of elves. True. It's, it's but really... But it doesn't have to be. It does. It doesn't have to be an elf. You see, that's not your history necessarily. Mm-hmm. Right. If you were an elf that wasn't raised like that, then don't have that. That goes back into our dwarves raised by gnomes and our mm-hmm. orcs raised orcs. by gnomes. They're all raised yes. by gnomes. What's up with this? Gnomes, the great adopters. Uh, they seem very friendly to be able to do that, taking on mm-hmm. just these giant. Pe- I guess we all want to get that. Buddy the Elf complex, I think uh, that just happens so many times. I guess. I don't know. I never I never bought into it. Which is funny because those are elves. Those are elves and elf. But they're more like gnomes because they're little. A little aside story here. Um, Somebody came up to me once and he said, so I'm playing an elf in this campaign and I made like a seven foot elf, which I thought is hysterical because elves are really short. And I'm like, mm. you know this isn't a Christmas movie, right? And he's like, oh, right. 
I'm like you're oh. you're you're a seven foot gnome would probably be where you're going. There. <laughs> that would be that would be the funnier one, yeah. Exactly. We're we're here for Tolkien elves. We want these majestic, beautiful, tall creatures. That's what we're looking for with elves in D and D. Oh, for sure. I mean, Tolkien. We don't need to go into it, but like Tolkien made the fantasy genre as we know. Yeah, that's that's the way it is. I mean, I'm pretty sure they were originally. Uh, they got the trademark on hobbits, so they couldn't call them hobbits in D and D when it first came out. That's why the halfling term. So we have halflings. Out. Yeah. Interesting. How it is, but the last thing I wanted to talk about from Reborn was just the knowledge from past lives, mm-hmm. with basically being able to take faded memories and use them towards ability checks. Just opens up. What did this person do in his pa- his or her past lives? Mm-hmm. And what are all the things that could influence? Exactly, you're right. Uh, it's when little Timmy was out on the shore fishing or uh, learning how to brew a potion with his mother or even a different life they lived before that. Who knows how many lives this body has been through. Right, what kind of in like embodied knowledge there is there. Yeah. Also, I really, I didn't talk about this um, in our Tasha podcast, but I, I find it interesting um, to note that now all of a sudden we're getting ab- abilities that we can use a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. We didn't see it in Xanathar's, right? And oh, definitely then, not. And then new stuff rolled around that was all of a sudden we started using our proficiency bonus for more than just things we were proficient in. Hmm. And I think it's cool because it's a number that is the same for everybody of the same level, as opposed to saying it's equal to your charisma modifier. You know, like people who roll better yeah. on stats or have better like racial modifiers, they'll they'll naturally get to do their tricks more often. But this is saying like we're a party of level five adventurers. You can do your cool stuff three times a day. And I think it's great that and it grows as you grow, you know. Yes, that is really good because your ability score is not always going to go up and you might never mm-hmm. take it up. So you're just right. always the same. You might just want to get a lot of feats, you know? <laughs> I Well, don't we all sometimes? Don't we all just want to get a lot of feats? I really do. That's why you have the variant human pandemic where everybody just mm-hmm. wants to get those feats right off the bat. So we have all these different, these three different lineages that popped up. And I think that a lot of this is probably inspired by the fact that Strahd had a re-release. Mm-hmm. So definitely I could see a lot of people now picking up Strahd again, or even with some of these Icewind Dale, like imagine like a reborn corpse that just awoke oh, in definitely. Icewind Dale. Because it has that. Yeah, the one thing it's like you were like you thawed out or something. There's one that's like very Captain America. I think that that is such a cool origin to be like somebody stowed me away, but they never came back and got me. So like, and I just woke up. Surprise. Surprise. I don't know why I'm here, but man, it is Mm -hmm. cold in Icewind Dale. Blizzards happen a third of the time. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) So, Aaron, since we are both players of D&D, which one (laughs) of these three has got you the most excited to play as? So, it should come as no surprise. Um, I really enjoy magic. I think that the Hexblood is so cool. Also, because I'm really drawn to the whole, like, very dark fairy tale sort of aspect of it. I love the idea of, like, a cursed child or, you know, like, one of those, like, it makes me think of, like, your parents struck up a bargain with, like, an arch fae, you know, to be like, yes, um, blah, 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 give me your firstborn child. You know, like, that's, your character is born from the aftermath of that, of that choice. Yeah. And having the innate magic and, yeah, just, I think you could play, like, a really cool, like, witchy you know, sort of Sorcerer's Apprentice kind of vibe. Exactly. It's the continuation of the storybook 
as you said, mm-hmm. because usually it's the Rumpelstiltskin story and that's it. What happens when that goes wrong? What's the story of the kid mm-hmm. dealing with that repercussion? Right. Yeah, exactly. Or like when you can't outsmart the witch, you know, to, to make sure you keep your child, like when it actually does go through like that. I want to see the hex blood race in a story and see what happens in the end because i want to know that resolution of Mm -hmm. do they choose to continue living on do they find a way out of this magical loophole or do they become a hag like their destiny is telling them and i'm wondering if you kill your hag are you freed i think that's a dm question i hate to be that guy that no that's cool i love that as like a possible adventure seed too to be like i if i can't get rid of if i can't defeat this hag then i'll just have to join them yeah and like it's neat. It really, it gives a lot of flavor. What about you, Josh? Which one of these do you want to play? So the Dompierre is going to be mine. I love the of idea. Uh, yeah, I, I love adventures in vampire castles. I love vampires as enemies. I've always wanted to play as one. And this is a really cool step into it. I think the craving for something that isn't just blood first is amazing but also just a constant reminder while you're role playing to be like this is something my character needs this will bring up a lot of great stuff while role playing it'll be interesting to see if you were a Mm -hmm. vampire in a regular adventuring party how that works with other people like a cleric watching you um digest someone's flesh is like uh you good there you you need some holy intervention or something? It's the Skyrim conversation we have when I was playing Skyrim and my character got bitten by a vampire and then I was like, oh no, I got bit by a vampire but didn't cure it. Like, it's playing those mm-hmm. roots. You have chosen because this is most likely you weren't born a vampire. Most likely it was a human and vampire combination or you were raised by vampires. This was bestowed upon you in some way, similar to the Hexblood. Definitely. So how are you are going to live with these choices? I think actually all three of these origins are like things have happened to you and now you are who you are because like the reborn is like you didn't choose this yeah you didn't want to come back you were dead like this is all of these exist in the aftermath of something else i think that's why it's i like had a hard toss up between the other two too because these just bring so much cool origin writings to them we talked about this already i just wish there was one for werewolves because i'm i'm not satisfied i'm still not satisfied with any of the official D&D material. Like, the shifter is close, but it's not quite right. And also, like, you have to keep track of the moon if you're playing with a werewolf, you know, and, like, be thinking about, like, what's the lunar cycle, you know? True. We, we've gotten our vampire. We've gotten our Frankenstein. We have our witch now. There's a couple other classic things we need to fill, and the werewolf... I, I need think, a guy is... with a pumpkin head. No. Yeah, you That's need actually a... still probably the reborn, but... Oh, that is true. Do you have... <laughs> We've recovered every part of your body except your head. We had mm-hmm. to use a pumpkin. And now I want to play a headless horseman. Do like a reborn cavalier. I guess the question is, then that becomes like you and your DM have to decide how does your body function as a reborn? Like how does your sight work? Because mm-hmm. do your eyes actually work? Are you able to sense things around? It's it's interesting. I don't know how to take that because you do have dark vision. So your eyes right. work to some extent. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean like the whole point of the reborn... If you're, like, stitched together, right, you're still a body that's been given life through magic. Yeah. And so I don't see why you wouldn't... Or if you were, like, a, like a construct, right, some sort, because you are part construct. So if you were, like, made out of magic enchanted pumpkin, then that could see. Because this is also me, like, shameless plug, like, plants can sort of see because they perceive light, mm. right? 
And so like, to what extent are we willing to call something sight just because it doesn't look like what we see with? But that's a different, that's a different rant for We're not talking day. about plants yet. Plant people and werewolves. We'll get to them eventually. Plant people and werewolves. Because <laughs> that's a, that's a Guild Wars memory for me. Like you can play as the Sylvalin, I think it is, which are mm-hmm. not just elves, but they're plant elves all born right. from trees. So we need something like that too. So I'm werewolves. I'm trying to think, can you play as a dryad? Like in Theros, is that a playable race? I don't think it is though. That's a shame. But this is really exciting to see what races can do. Not only is just you're a human, but what backstories they can imply just based on mm-hmm. the origin that you choose. This is the other thing I want to talk about too. I was actually I was talking to my therapist, um, who also plays D and D. Oh, that's awesome. And I was like, I was like, what do you think about this? And he's like. And he's a DM, and he says to me, he says, Aaron, he doesn't say it like this, um, but he goes, this is, reminds me of, like, a conversation you have with a character that's, like, that wants to be evil, right? That, like, really wants to be a bad mm. guy. And that, like, the character has to commit to that, has to, like, why, you have to ask why you want to be something. So, like, why do you want to be a vampire? Like, do you just think it's cool? Like, are you willing to commit to everything that being a, a dampier, everything that, that that means and that that entails, like that you will be hated, that, you know, you will have these hungers that you'll have to satisfy. Like, you're, uh, it will cause friction within your own player group. And so that might be an important thing to ask your fellow players. Like, I'm thinking about making a character like this. Is that going to work with the group that we have? Like, how is that going to roll? It's valid. Yeah, you're, you're not playing a cookie cutter good or cookie cutter bad campaign these characters can turn to be very gray and are implied to be gray characters or maybe are implied to be a little bit evil you know when you're feasting on flesh um even the the most fine is that you can feast on colors right but everything else is sort of yeah it's all it's all still predatory you know so i want to line up of the eight top peers and just see what the color one is compared to all mm-hmm. the others it's like this i just reminds me of what's the vampire movie it's got barbara streisand in it and she's like a quote-unquote psychic vampire oh oh dang it but it reminds me of that it's like all these others are like really hardcore and then it's like what do you do well uh i eat color i, I really uh i think green is delicious and i just can't get enough of green <laughs> <laughs> just like slurping the color off of grass yeah <laughs> they have a dark bend to them and you have to be willing to to deal with the consequences of that too any final points because i i feel as though i got through everything that really excited me about this and things i'm looking forward to with this uh you know edition. i just i could just geek out about like how can you play a werewolf in D for about forever werewolf cast tune in we we're actually going to have taylor lochner on for that cast oh That's very that exciting. would be cool as hell <laughs> i would love that oh man all right <laughs> thanks for listening we will be back next tuesday but in the meantime be sure to follow our twitter at D gatherers and tweet about the show using hashtag dungeons and gatherers uh Listen to them, the children of the night. What podcasts they make. Like and subscribe to the Dungeons and Gatherers podcast.